Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. I feel welcome. We're all welcome. It's the Harder Way Podcast. Everyone's welcome here. We want everybody to listen. Yeah. Uh, We are here again for episode number three in our new series where we are going through the Bible and looking at the various people and accounts and what we can learn from their stories in their lives about living the harder way because there are a lot of people in scripture who chose the harder way most of the time not all the time and there are also a lot of people in scripture who didn't choose the harder way pretty much all the time yeah and there and then there are those who kind of went back and forth mm-hmm. yeah a lot of the back and forthers actually and you know one of the people who um you probably haven't thought about as having really lived on the harder way is a prophet named Nathan. Nathan. I don't remember a book called the book of Nathan. I don't remember no, that from major sup- or minor prophets. Supposedly there was at some point a book of the writings of the prophet Nathan, but it's been lost to antiquity. Some people believe that a little bit of it was absorbed into Samuel. Um, and then there's also a record that uh, a reference, a couple references to, to Nathan having written uh, like the history of King David. Hmm. But um. Yeah, but there's no records. Those records aren't left. They didn't make it in the Bible because it got lost or burned or something. I don't know. Well, but that's a good a good opportunity though to answer a question that a lot of people have, which is, what about the books that didn't make it? And here's the thing: if there were books that got lost or got burned up or or for whatever reason uh, are missing, it means that those books were not and are not sacred scripture because as Christians, we do believe that God has been and will continue to be uh, faithful in keeping his word uh, intact and keeping his word accurate throughout time as it, you know, as language changes, as culture changes, et cetera, et cetera. And so we can look and see, oh yeah, there were uh, other books that were written around that time, probably filled with awesome great historical information or even spiritual insights um, that were not and should not be considered on the same part of scripture. I mean, think about it this way. Do we really think that the Apostle Paul only wrote, what, 13 letters in his life? Well, no, we're pretty, we're almost 100. We know for sure that he wrote a book to the the church at Laodicea. Because he references then, it. She tells the, I think it's the church at Colossae, hey, swap letters and read each other's letters, right? <laughs> yeah. And we're pretty sure that first and second Corinthians is actually second and third Corinthians, that there was a, a first letter. There was a first letter. So yeah, Paul definitely wrote more. And I think, you know, when it comes to scripture, we have to, we can get caught up in conspiracy theories and yeah. things. Lots the, of those out there. There's a lot of those out there. But the truth of the matter is we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. Yes. And we have to trust that God is sovereign in such a way that he can superimpose his will 
when we refuse, uh, when we don't come about it honest. Let's just say that way, right? So let's go back to Nathan. So Nathan had he had some different interactions throughout the life of King David, and uh, at some different times that God used him. But there's one particular time, probably the most important time, when Nathan had to come to King David and talk to him prophetically. Yes. And so uh, what we'll say about Nathan is that he was a prophet at the time of King David, and he had the ability to speak into King David's life on a prophetic level. We see him first kind of coming on to the scene uh, in 2 Samuel 7, and this is where he is kind of spelling out for for David, this covenant that he is a part of with the Lord, meaning right. David and the Lord. Um, but this incidence that we're really going to focus on today, uh, our listeners, you'll be able to find it in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. So you can either pause this and go read that now, or we'll remind you at the end to go back and, and read that, because we always want to direct you back to the scripture, because that's the ultimate source. But in this account... Um, David had been doing some things he shouldn't have been doing. There were there there were some some mishaps going on in King David's life. Would you say? Bathsheba. Ah, uh, yes, that There's whole thing. A lot of questions. There's a lot of questions there, but you have to figure. Number one, David's king. Yeah. And Bathsheba gets oh she was a temptress or she did these things or this, those things. But look, when the king says come to my come to my place, you go to his place. He's the king. Right. Women had very little rights. Or, or power or self, even uh, the ability to really, you know, self-direct in those days. In general, just in their lives, mm -hmm. let alone if the king were to ask something of them, you know, mm -hmm. basically the most powerful person in their known world at that time. So David, you know, he sees Bathsheba on a rooftop. He's like, hey, I think I'm going to have her come over, you know, just hang so out. we can talk and hang out. He basically says, hey, let's Netflix and chill. So she comes over, and uh, they um, have a have a relation, and then they conceive a child. And so then David, you know, in typical uh, Father Adam fashion, does not choose the harder way; chooses the way of the flesh. And so he tries to cover it up, tries to get her husband to come in and then lay with her. But he's an honorable man, so he says, "I won't lay with her while my men are out in battle." And then. Um, He's like, fine, be that way. So then he sends, uh, he he gives orders to Uriah's, you know, the other generals. Bathsheba's husband. Yeah, Uriah. Bathsheba's husband. Yeah, when he's in the battle, pull back from him, leave him out there exposed, so he gets killed, and that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, and that's why uh, King David will be for sure a multi-part series. There are a couple of those where their life is chronicled in so much detail and for such a span of time mm -hmm. that they will have multiple episodes dedicated to them, thinking about people like. King David, Moses, Joseph. Right. Um, but today we're talking about someone who doesn't have as much actual verse-by-verse -verse space dedicated to them, but has played a really critical role, which is Nathan. And so Nathan is coming onto the scene now in 2 Samuel chapter 12 to speak with David after all this that you've just described has gone on. So after he's had this affair, after this child has been conceived, after he leaves Uriah out there to die. So interestingly, a couple things you need to know about prophets. Number one, when we think of prophets, we think of telling the future. And that was a part of 
prophets' um, ministry. But the bigger part of their ministry was, um, uh, well, there were two other parts. One was covenant enforcement. And so basically, they, covenant patrol. Yeah, God used them to go around and tell people, you know, to tell people when they were in violation of the covenant and how to get back in, in right standing with the covenant. Okay. Mm. And the other thing is that they often, their role was to speak forth the truth of the word of God. Or the truth of God's words. In other words, this is righteous, this is not righteous. Oh, that's a little vocabulary lesson for you guys. We've got forth telling, right. speaking out the truth, right. and foretelling, which is what we were talking about a moment ago that was a little part of prophecy, which was actually telling the future. Right. So when the prophets would say, okay, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's right. foretelling. And when they're saying, here is what God says, or here's what is true, that's forth telling right so that's so nathan gets the call from god and i guess i'm assuming god gave him a vision or god gave mm-hmm. him a word or maybe he just became aware of the situation and then the lord moved his heart but now he comes to confront he's he's first he's confronted with the need to confront david yes it says heart, god led him to where's the harder way in that well again we were just talking about the fact that bathsheba when she was approached by David really would not have had any choice in the matter because he was the king. He's the most powerful guy around. And so we have to think about that context when we're considering this issue of Nathan, where it says that God led Nathan to go to King David and to speak with him. And so God is telling Nathan, you need to go to the most powerful man in the known world who has the authority to kill you if he wants to. And have no repercussions, who can do anything to you that he wants, you need to go to him and tell him that what he is doing is wrong and that he has sinned against me. And so we don't know how what kind of internal debate Nathan had or, or what kind of fears he may have had, but we know this based on the, the story that he acted in faith, not in fear. Mm-hmm. You know, his fears got put down and he went and he confronted David. And he does it in an interesting way because he doesn't just say, hey, dude, you're messing around with that girl. That's wrong. And God's going to get you. Right. You're going to be smoting. He tells him a story instead. And, and, and I think the right truth at the wrong time or does wrong more harm way. than good or the right truth told in the wrong way. Is oftentimes imperceivable. So, how, how, what's the story? What is how does Nathan say when he gets to King David? Well, he basically tells him a story about. Oh my goodness, I'm getting I'm getting this conflated in my mind, y'all. With what, you have, what you have to understand is that if you were a Christian child of the '90s or 2000s, when you hear this story, the only thing that's in your mind is the story from the song from Veggie Tales about the rich man who had the sheep and uh, the actual, the actual story here um, in, in scripture is eluding me at this moment because I can well, just hear this, well, the song straight, going over It's pretty mind. straightforward. I mean, it is the song. It's just, it's just basically that there is a, there was a uh, rich man who had a lot of sheep and, uh, you know, he's basically, basically Nathaniel comes to him and he's telling him, or Nathan comes to him and he's telling him, like, we got this problem in the kingdom, king. Yes. And there's this dude and he has got a lot of sheep 
and and they're all beautiful sheep, and he has all the sheep that he could ever want. And there's this other guy and who he only has one sheep. One sheep. And <laughs> right. see, and there's the therein lies the problem is that the song really is just telling the story. Right. But in my mind, I'm like, the vegetables can't be telling it right. <laughs> exactly. Well, you can't trust out vegetables. Um, so then uh, he says, you know, but this rich man who had all the sheep goes and takes the other man's one sheep yeah. from him and leaves him with nothing. Yep. And and uh, basically Nathan's like, what what should happen to that man? David's King David's like, like, we should kill that. <laughs> we should kill that. Guy. It's horrible. Yeah. He's the worst guy ever. And then Nathan says, you're that man. Yeah. And he points it out to him. And I think we see. David's response in Psalm 51 when he's crying out for God's mercy, when he recognizes what an awful person he is and how, you know, he's just uh, he, he's just he, acknowledging his sin against God and begging God for forgiveness and begging God to purify him, begging God to make him whole again and, and all of those things. And read Psalm 51 mm-hmm. uh, if you want to get an idea of, of that story. Spend some time in it. Really think about the words that he's saying. Uh, and he's saying, you know, only you can heal me. Only you can cleanse me, Lord. But he gets it. Nathan had an impact. Yeah. Had a hu- had a huge impact. And I think if we're looking at Nathan and we're thinking about these harder way principles, we can say, okay, number one, he chose to step out in faith and obey God, right? And that was huge because there could have been really life or death repercussions for him. Easily. Going up against the king and saying, hey, guess what? You're in the wrong. That's a really scary thing to do, right? Easier easier said than done. We also see that he approached it in a way where he was saying the truth and he was saying the truth unabashedly. He was not sugarcoating it or acting like it was fine or not a big deal, but he did not come to the encounter with an angry, accusatory, uh, condemning posture. Right. He comes to it and and what he does is very interesting. And I think something that's very applicable to all of us, which is that he helped King David understand the issue and the the moral problem before coming around and saying, hey, man, this is basically the same thing as what you've done. Right. And so I think that's something that we can all learn from because our natural inclination most of the time is to just come guns blazing. Like, I know that you're doing this wrong and you need to stop this. And we see this so much on social media and in our political realm and in the news. It's just, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And, you know, repent instead of being like, okay, let's actually have a conversation with a person and actually help them to understand the bigger picture, help them understand where they've gone wrong and in love say, Hey, yeah, this is, this is kind of like what you're doing. And do you see now wherein lies the problem? You know? Yeah. I think the, that uh, communication is, uh, and that way is very, very important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I know that uh, I struggle with those kinds of, uh, those kinds of things. So for me, even being able to communicate on that level in that way would be part of the harder way. Cause I would mm-hmm. have to say, Lord, you've given me the task of saying these things. How am I going to do it? I don't know, but you know, you know, Lord, seven I don't know, but the faith. Lord knows the seven words of faith. I'm going to wind up there quickly because, you know, so often we don't know how to re 
how to how to um, uh, confront. I think uh, as we look at, if I can translate, uh, transition to some of our modern kings. And I think some of our modern kings are mega church pastors. Oh, interesting. And we've seen in the last years, quiet, we've seen a number of really big mega church pastors uh, who um, got outed. For sexual improprieties, mostly with men, affairs, things like that. Or um, one I can think of was just basically bullying and and being inconsistent and, um, you know, it had some ethical issues. A lot of abuses of power, whether that be financial, sexual, you know, whether it's abusing authority in general. We see that. And we see that when these folks get confronted, what we usually get is... We get some kind of a contrition, but the contrition is usually only just enough so that they can regroup and get themselves back in power again. Mm, yeah, that's right? true. And you don't read that in Psalm 51. You don't read David as, all right, what do I got to do? I mean, he literally says in Psalm 51, he says, I, and I, when I read this in context, I can I, I can't quote it in, I can't quote it in context or I cry every time, but I read it in con, but I state this. Uh, from Psalm 51, he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And I want you to think about, he saw what happened to King Saul when God's Spirit was taken from him. He saw how the demons tormented him. He saw how the, um, uh, how the only way Saul could get any peace is when David, who was anointed with the Holy Spirit, was in his presence. It wasn't yeah. the harp. It wasn't the singing. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, he saw how Saul desperately reached out after, you know, pursued witchcraft, basically, to try to contact the dead to get to yeah. hear from God. He was so desperate and how he was practically mad. And so when David is confronted with his sin, rather than scrambling, how do I keep my kingdom? What do I have to do to like, how long do I have to lay low and, and how long before I can rebuild and start over or make things new? That wasn't him. He went right to, holy cow, I've put the, my relationship with God in jeopardy through my stupidity. And that matters more than anything. And he's begging God, please do whatever you have to do to fix me. Don't take the relationship from me, I think that's why. I think that's why uh, Scripture says David's a man after God's own heart. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's he. The relationship's so important. Definitely, and we need we need today people who are like Nathan, who will really be. be I would say, if if the King Davids are the megachurch pastors, um, we need. Nathans, who are people that can speak into these people's lives. We've mentioned this on the podcast before, which is that people who are in higher authority in the church oftentimes do not have people that they can go to or people that are speaking into their lives. They're just speaking into everyone else's lives. Yeah. Right. And so we need those people who are like the prophet Nathan, who will be able to speak the truth into the lives of these influential people. Well, you know, when you do a deep dive, you go in something like Willow Creek with uh, with the pastor there with uh, Hybels, or you go, you know, or you go into uh, Mars Hill, 
uh, and that church and on the downfall of that church. Um, when you get go, go behind the scenes and you start interviewing the people that were behind the scenes, what you find out is that there were a lot of people who saw what was going on, who saw the problems, yep. and they didn't choose the harder way. They chose the easy way. They let things go. They were passive. They were... Um, they like you know turned a blind eye to evil or to things that were questionable because a lot of them were scared of losing their jobs uh-huh. or of losing a relationship with and, that pastor or kind of you know I'm going to get kicked out of that insider group right if I say anything and you and you just might but but I can tell you from experience that you can stand before those who have power over you and speak the truth and if God is with you the right thing will happen mm-hmm. you know Corey Tinboom. Uh, the famous missionary, you know, from from the World War II days, and the famous, you know, she's written of uh, uh, her famous book is Hind's Feet and High no, Places. The Hiding Place. The Hiding Place. The Hiding Place. Hiding, hiding place. Thank you. Um, and Cory Timboom, you know, she was at one point uh, in front of a German officer who was going to kill her, and she just laughed at him. She said, "You can only kill me if God lets you." you yeah. So I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of this moment. And Nathan, I think, had that attitude, that that harder way attitude of saying, look, how am I going to get out of this? I don't know what the Lord knows. And even if I don't get out of this, like Shabbat, Meshach, and Abednego, even if I don't get out of this, I am still going to praise the Lord, still going to trust the Lord because yeah. I know he's sovereign. And and in the in our modern day, uh, you know, kingdoms with these with these little King Davids and their and their mega churches. You know, you don't have to go be a problem child. You don't need to be the guy that's just causing problems out of nowhere. Right. But when there's sin, and I always point that out to people, you don't need to, you don't, you don't have to go confront your pastor over little doctrines or your little problems with the way they preach on something or something like that. But when there's sin, and you're aware of it, and you say nothing, you're not choosing the harder way. You're choosing the way of man. You're not choosing, and it might be good to keep the peace, but it is not God's way to allow sin to fester. Like right. That. And I think something that is important, too, if we're talking about in our contemporary context, is we see Nathan going to King David directly. And that's something that we see spoken about in the New Testament, which is that if there were an instance where you became aware of, you know, something that appeared to be maybe your pastor being involved in a sexual affair, you know, outside of his marriage or anything like that, um, that you would go to him first and wouldn't gossip about it and spread all that around and talk to people about it before you went and spoke um, with him. And then obviously we see the New Testament kind of that line for, you know, you go to the person first and then you would go to, you know, if you had a group of people or go to the elders or whatever, but you're, you know, that is something that's important is that as Christians, we are called to, to call out, sin and to say what is right and what is wrong, but we're not called to talk about that to other people or to stir up gossip and division and strife um, and or create any sort of issues like that. Right. But we do have to recognize that in Matthew 18, we do have a, a process mm-hmm. and it starts with one-on-one. But if there's no repentance, then there's more than yes, right? Yes, and there I have are steps to, to be taken. And I have to tell you, if your senior pastor of your mega church is having an affair, as a, 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 a sexual affair, and their part of their repentance does not involve stepping down from ministry, they're not repentant. 
They're just, oh, sorry, I got caught. I won't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they will. And they will. It's not because yeah. they're, it's not, it's just they're broken. They're, they have a broken thing inside of it that needs to get fixed. And we have to remember that God's relationship with the individual and that individual's eternal destination is far more important than their job. Yes. Absolutely. Their vocation. And, you know, it might not feel like it when you've got your whole heart and soul and life poured into growing this church and you've grown it from the ground up and you're now famous and people are, it may not feel like it, but you can do other things. Oh, 100%. And um, going back to Nathan, it's actually interesting because this this really just illustrates the importance of reading scripture in its context and then also reading the larger story and not just these small bites of stories that we get because we had this happen last week with Hannah where we mentioned the fact that no one ever speaks about the fact that she ended up having more children after right. that. Nobody ever gets to that point. Right. Well, when we're looking at the life of Nathan and we're looking at, you know, him confronting King David and and coming to him um and and telling him you've sinned against the Lord, what people never talk about is the fact that in First Chronicles, we find out that later on, David and his wife have a son that they name Nathan. Mm. So not only did this interaction and this confrontation that Nathan Nathan did, not only did that not cause a division with King David or cause any sort of repercussions for him. But ultimately we can assume that it led to some sort of strengthening of the relationship or some sort of growth of respect uh, on David's behalf for Nathan, because he ended up naming one of his children after him. That is a tremendous observation. I think it's, it's very noteworthy. And, you know, I think when we think, when we consider uh, the people that we have relationships with as Christians, when we have ministry, that we do ministry with, or we disciple, or we are discipled by, sometimes there are moments when a person who is a Christian who's farther down the road than us has to kind of give us a little smackdown. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, you know, the scripture tells us it's better the blows of a friend than the kisses, kisses of, an of an enemy. enemy. And... You know, I'm willing to risk, risk relationships personally. I'm willing to risk relationships sometimes by dishing out a little smackdown. And I've had a few little smackdowns. You know, with a, my father in the Lord told, told me, I remember one time I was whining about ministry and, and when I was pastoring a church and he told me, well, you need to buck up, Bucky. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was like, what? And he's like, you need to man up and quit whining. God wow. called you to this. He'll strengthen you to do it. So quit complaining and go do it. And I was like, I was like in tears. I was like, I, you don't, you don't understand. But he did understand, and yeah. he knew. He knew that's what this he little, to hear. Sometimes a little puppy needs just to get smacked on the fanny and straightened right. out. And that's and that's what I needed. I needed that smackdown. There's and, a reason people roll up their newspapers. Uh, exactly. He rolled up his newspaper and he his Holy Ghost newspaper and he popped me on the nose. And I needed it. Yeah. I really needed it. Need a good. We all need a good pop. That's time. what, and that's what Nathan did. And it's, and and so when you're mentoring or discipling or you're in in relationship, 
in in Christianity. Sometimes God's going to call you to do that, and it's the easier way, the good way, is keep the peace and don't speak, don't say what the Lord's put on your heart to say. Hard way is to speak the truth, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, uh, so I, I I just really respect what Nathan did. I look to him as an example of the harder way. And uh, I pray that in those times, it's easier now than it was when I was 20 or 25. Yeah. But uh, when, and when those times when he calls me to do that again, that I'll be, I'll have the faith to be able to risk the relationship with a human in order to do what the relationship with God demands of me. Yes. And I think what I would just say, kind of concluding this is that we really should all be listening for that call of the Holy Spirit in our lives for things that we need to do with conversations that we need to have um, that this, these sorts of confrontations and, and having these sorts of conversations with people shouldn't be something that we're coming to out of our own ideas or out of our own strength because we see very clearly that it says that God led Nathan to go to King yes. David. And so do not take this podcast and use it as an excuse to go out and be like, everybody sins, so I just need to go tell everybody what they're doing wrong. No, be sensitive to uh, the Holy Spirit's working in your life and uh, of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and leading you to have that kind of conversation into somebody that you have influence with, then do it choose the harder way. But in some situations, the harder way is choosing not to have that conversation because God has not led you to that. God has not given you the opportunity. And what did we say earlier? The right truth at the wrong time or in the wrong way is going to get bad results. And God is the one who knows when is the right time, who is the right person, what is the right way. And even what is the right result. And we don't get to decide that. Mm -hmm. So we have to be obedient. We have to be walking the way of faith. We have to be living the life of a steward, stewarding every moment, every relationship, right? Well, listen, I think that's a a good place to stop. I just want to say I love you, Maddie, and I'm really happy I get to do a podcast with you. Oh, I love you too, Daddy. Okay. Yeah, everybody always tells us they're like, oh, you and your dad get to do stuff together, and we love it. So we love all you guys, and we are so thankful for our listeners, and we will be back with the next episode of our series next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.